hello, hello, hello. Welcome back one more time. Very, very excited. It is the most interesting topic in the room again. And uh, I am the J to the V. I am back. Um, so we're uh, we're we're doing uh, we're going to do some more tourists on parade this episode. Tourists on parade part two. I've got uh, the. This is just a, a loose and fast edition, as the last one was. Some observations from the trip to Italy that occurred just uh, a week and a half ago. Um, the episode forthcoming, I am planning to take a little time on me being who I am, uh, with my historical background and my history brain, I have come home and I am going crazy at the library and I am researching and studying. So there's a lot of interesting little details that I am learning historically that I plan to, uh, just expose to your ears um it it's just the way i work i need to uh take all this stuff that's going into my brain and i need to put it back out so that uh, i can have a little peace at night as well as uh, create a conceptual map i'm doing it in my brain i want to speak it out loud and put it out there in a coherent fashion so the, uh, the the podcast following this gonna take a little time on gonna be a little more uh, learned and uh, maybe a little less interesting to some and a little more interesting to others you just never can tell when you're when you're a listener so this podcast as always is brought to you by Oscar the cat who is my uh, my living master who um, has uh, so kindly told me that I need to feed him more, uh, speak less, and cough up the, uh, the 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 pets, the massages, and keep the damn door open. Um, although I have to not abide by that demand so much because the squirrels and the raccoons will get in and it just becomes a giant mess. <clears throat> anyway, Oscar... Even with that uh, little bit of a denial on my part, quiet denial, sorry, kitty, I can't keep the door open for you. Uh, even with that, he gives this podcast two paws up. It's pretty darn good. Someday we'll get three, but uh, we're working with two right now. So, Oscar, thank you very much for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, thank you for being soft and cute and furry and uh, for allowing me to be your, your human slave. Makes me happy. So, tourists on parade. I was uh, in Italy, um, amazingly enough, that just the way life came together. I was in Italy this past couple weeks and I was in Italy nine months ago for my first time, which is uh, just the way things happened. I did not plan that. And uh, it was glorious to have two visits in such short order, especially for living so far away. I truly wish that I lived in Europe. You Europeans have got it made. Um, 
as far as being uh, travelers, you're you're able to get to places in short order, and it's incredible coming uh, from where I am and how far I have to go to get anywhere. It is a miracle um, to if you were in in uh, Europe. That is an amazing thing, you know. And even I mean, even if you're in Australia, it's kind of an incredible thing. You've got Asia right there, just a flight away. Not so bad. Uh, you know, I mean, quite honestly, um, the Western Hemisphere, it's, uh, you know, it's removed by two oceans from the rest of the world. And that was a good thing for uh, a long, good while because it protected us from the madness of the old world. But um, in today's world, it uh, presents a large time and distance uh, obstacle to getting into the world. And I think, <clears throat> just as I'm now rambling, I, I, I think uh, that's where you can see uh, the American nativism, uh, not the American natives, but the nativism, the nationalist uh, streak of the United States is rooted in part in that oceanic barrier that uh, that space that we've always had uh, keeps us away from the rest of the world and unfortunately it keeps us away from the rest of the world so many people are unable to go out um, and and many people are just terrified ultimately there was many many Americans many US citizens who would never leave this country and go to any other country that's just crazy. Why would you do that? It's dangerous out there, so they say. But anyway, for me as a traveler, good God, it uh, it it takes some takes uh, it takes a little life out of you, to be quite honest. Which brings me to uh, my first layer of this topic. Uh, I I brought it up a bit in the last episode, and I didn't get to it, but um, airline travel is the key to our contemporary travel and tourist environment. And I am not, I, okay, there's positives and there's negatives. And I am personally struggling with the negatives uh, at this moment of airline travel. But that being said, I have a deep love of airplanes and I always have since I was a kid to the point that I did go through flight training um, I did not get my pilot's license because I ran out of money. I was just doing it because I suddenly had this drop of cash and decided I'm going to do this. I must do this. Um, and they didn't quite make it to the, the pilot's license. But that being said, what I did do was get all the way up into soloing and Cessnas. Um, so I have flown airplanes by myself and I understand the mechanics of them. And I am very impressed with the safety of, uh, of an airplane, um, safer than a car, and, um, and it's really exciting stuff. I love planes, but jets, you know, so we've got jets, and we're flying jets, and we've got this global network, and there's, what are there, like 2,000 planes in the air at every moment something like that, something crazy. My only issue with airliners is the same issue that uh, I have with all of the results of industrialization. 
uh, we're dirty. We're a dirty uh, bunch. Uh, we're we're dumping all of this exhaust into the atmosphere, and you know this is not a good thing. Airplanes are dumping it directly into the skies at high altitude, and that's not a good thing. And uh, airline fuel, particularly, is toxic. So you know that's that thing. I'm making a choice. Is it, is it, is it, is it the right decision to spend money on a plane ticket to fly somewhere and basically have a vacation go enjoy the opportunity that I have through the work that I do uh, the my ability to buy a plane ticket my ability to save up money and do this is it is that the right thing to do is it appropriate uh, is it morally defensible you know in the scheme of the planet and our environment and things like that. So I struggle with all of this. And then on the back end of that, you, you know, the positives are you are able to do these things and going to another country and being responsible traveler and being a, an ambassador of your culture, trying to spread the goodness and make connections uh, and understand other people, other cultures, that uh, from a human perspective is invaluable absolutely an incredible thing that we are allowed to do um excuse me <clears throat> yes still a little <clears throat> funk and gunk oh travel sickness so fun but airlines uh we are blessed and cursed by them <clears throat> the airline piece is a, a a factor in that mass right that the mass hordes that are, are landing in places. And it's pretty incredible uh, going to Venice, uh, flying in and out of Venice to see how many people are going in and out of Venice because the uh, of, of the airlines. And you've got a small airport that is overloaded now. They've, oh, they're overloaded. Uh, and it's an incredible thing. I mean, it allowed me to go from the United States with a connection in Europe all the way to Venice. Bam. Two flights, and there you are. It's a miracle. Um, so, airlines, eh, it's problematic. I, th 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 so, whatever. I don't have an answer. Yes, it's good it's excellent and amazing i am very excited about the time that i live in i know that i know and i know enough to know that everything has consequences so we're doing things and we're i mean this is what's happening and it's more you know obviously there's way more than just an airplane my choice to fly in an airplane or buy a ticket is not going to make or break you know it's not the the last thing that breaks the environment or breaks the world we got all kinds of stuff. Everything we do. Like I said in an earlier episode, humans, I think one of the things that we are essential for on the planet is screwing things up. I don't know why or what the function of it is. You know, you got to step back, maybe get all the way out to a God's eye view to understand what the heck we're doing and why we do what we do. But we uh, we seem to be a, a massive tiller of the soil, um, but we are a little more than that because we are wasteful and self-centric and 
all kinds of messy and making plastic was really awesome and so terrible such a bad bad thing <laughs> in the long run but anyway so i fly and that's okay i guess so uh i'm saying that i am going i'm buying a ticket i'm going and it gets me there um it's kind of a weird thing the airplane in the last episode i was talking about you know you you leave your body behind when you're flying to a place uh jet lag never seems to be nearly as bad when you're going to the destination of fun and i think a part of it is just that you're in a new environment and you get to just be free and you're you're going for it um takes a few days jet lag leaves you get acclimated it's all good but it's a, a very strange phenomenon you know, it's not like transporters, it's not like Star Trek or anything, but, uh, you know, a plane's going 600 miles an hour. I can fly nine-ish hours, nine-plus hours, and you're from the United States, and you're in Europe. You've gone over the Atlantic Ocean, and you land. Um, the body is not designed to deal with that reality quite honestly um there's the whole issue of leaving your body behind and the time zone change and you know having to catch up to where you're at and all of that and then there's the whole thing of being in the tube you know you're in the plane and you're sucked into this tube and you're in a seat totally unnatural for the amount of time that you spend um Thank God they feed you with movies now because you can just tune your brain out and disappear for a while. But it's a little uh, it's a little sketchy when you think about I try not to think about it too much. You know, I mean, on the one hand, like I say, I, I have the experience of flying and taking flight lessons. So I feel pretty darn confident in the safety of, of, an, of an airplane. But it is a strange phenomenon when, you know, after you've watched your third movie and you're sitting there and you've lost all sense of where you are in space and time. And you take a moment to really think about it, especially when you're over the ocean. And you've been in this thing for whatever, six hours. And you're thinking about like, all right, so I'm sitting here. And as far as my experience uh, in the moment it's as if I'm just sitting still, you know, we're all sitting still and we're just levitating or something, you know, we're just suspended in air or we're on a bus, you know, it's like, you're just, uh, you, you get no real sense of the fact that you're moving 600 miles an hour through space and, uh, and you're over the ocean, you know, you're over the Atlantic, or as I've experienced going, you know, to, to um, Asia, you're over the Pacific. That's even more of a mind, mind melt. You're over this thing, and it's not natural, you know, for a human being. It just is not a natural thing. We have found the means through machines to circumvent the reality of that we are born to, uh, on this planet you know what our role is we're land dwellers we walk on the on the land we're not birds we're not supposed to be up above but we've managed to figure it out through machines through our wily intellect it's pretty incredible and it's impressive i'm i'm impressed 
Smart little monkeys we are. Anyway, so you're up there. It's just not natural, though, right? You know it's not natural. Just, like, have that moment of going, I am over the Atlantic Ocean. I am hurtling through space at 600 miles an hour, and I'm watching, uh, you know, I'm watching the Avengers or something. Something weird. Um, uh, On the way back home, it was uh, a bit of a slog, and I was having a hard time, and I was really thinking about this and realizing how unnatural this is. Um. But we do it, and and I guess I was, you know, I'm checking out the elders who are on the plane. There's all these folks, like, you know, I'm like, I feel, I'm middle-aged, and I'm like, I feel like this is taking life out of me. This isn't, is this something that I'm going to keep doing? Is this a healthy move to make, you know? I mean, is am I dying inside? <laughs> um, but uh, you make it through, and I guess the key here is the body is uh, resilient, and you can, you know, it's malleable, and you can kind of bounce back. That's what uh, recovery from jet lag is. But okay, I, it's just a, it's just a thing to think about. This is not normal in the scheme of the centuries and millennia of human existence on the planet. Um, planes have been around for just over a hundred years. And we've been rolling the 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 jetliner since the 50s, and people can pay money, you know, and do what we do now, and uh, we don't really think much about it. I don't typically think much about it. I've gotten used to it. Uh, I grew up being on airliners and traveling around. Now it's just like, all right, I want to go to Europe. I'm going. I'm gonna get the plane ticket, and I'm gonna go. You know, I go through my personal uh, schism inside about, oh, is this the right decision? Should I be doing this? I'm like, well, I'm making the decision. But the, the experience outweighs the potential negative outcome. I, I don't know what to say about it. You know, there's a part of me that feels like a hypocrite. And then there's a part of me that is joyous at the opportunity that uh, is laid in front of me and the potential. So, airline travel is the key to the tourism that we've got going on in this world right now. It's good, it's bad, it is what it is. This is the world. Um, so, <clears throat> one of the things, this is just a, a little, uh, a few things that I found interesting on the trip to Italy. We're in Montepulciano, which uh, no one should go to. It's a terrible small town that no one should go visit because um, I don't want people to go there because I want to go back and uh, enjoy it, uh, at least in a, a, a slight amount, uh, a slight version of what I just experienced before it gets overrun by the masses. Um, I think it's going to get overrun by the masses. But anyway, go, don't go. We're in Monte Bolciano. <laughs> and uh, we we did a lot of walking. It's not a very big town. There's not uh, an enormous amount to see. But uh, you know, we broke it up, spaced it out, and had a really mellow experience. We did a lot of walking. One of the things we did was walk down... 
out of the town toward San Biagio, which is a cathedral just below the town outside the wall. But on the way, we stopped at the local cemetery. And this was a very interesting experience uh, from our perspective. And it made me think a lot about travel and what are the ways that you can experience a culture. Obviously, food is a huge thing. And, um, uh, you know, going back to uh, Mr. Anthony Bourdain, one of the inspiring things that he he brought to the table was um, he would ask, uh, you know, what do you eat? Uh, well, I know I can't remember exactly. I should look this up. But basically, like, what do you eat for breakfast? What do you what do you eat? Uh, and uh, what does it mean to you? And those are the questions he would ask people as he traveled and then. Uh, he was always amazed at the answers that he got. So food is a great way to connect with people and understand a culture. But I was realizing that cemeteries and burial practices are a really great way to look at a culture and try to understand who these people are and why they are the way they are. So in this cemetery and what i have seen in other cemeteries in italy and the bit that i've seen um, on television uh, cemeteries are extremely well tended they're very clean and the the um the what's obvious is that the family is coming in regularly even for people who are long, long dead, people who you're related to, who you may not have ever even known, you as family, uh, you know, have this obligation. You're going down and you're cleaning it up and you're laying in the flowers and you're tending to it, you're keeping it clean, you're keeping it nice and you're giving energy to that person in your family who is no longer with you. So there's that. <clears throat> the other thing is that all of the headstones have photographs on them. And the photos were, we surmised they were porcelain. So obviously can withstand the weather. But uh, across the board, uh, the, um, the headstones all had photos. So as you're walking through, you can see an image of the person. I, I thought that was fascinating. And compared to what we have in our country, um, in my experience with my family in cemeteries, it, it's a headstone at most. There's a headstone. Name, dates, um, typically cemeteries are not visited. I know in the 1800s, there was a tradition of people... And it and maybe it had I I, may, I think it has to do with the romantics the romantic period but people go to the cemetery and take picnics and you would go and you would spend an afternoon at the cemetery and you you know tend a grave and hang out and have a you know have some food and and you would spend time it was a positive thing it was life being brought to um a place of death ultimately but you know it 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 didn't hold negative connotations 
somewhere over time, and I can probably find this out in our country, that uh, changed. And cemeteries are a place that you avoid now. And people typically, you know, they just don't go. And I think, uh, and you can see it in different headstones, you know, where like flowers have been left and they're just ancient. Or weeds have grown up all over and things are not being taken care of on a basic level. Not having photos on the on the headstones, um, that I I actually like that. I, I thought that really kept that person present. You know, I mean, I don't know any of these people. I'm not related to any of them, but I can see them. And there was something a little something extra there around that. And the uh, the quality of each resting place was really. Uh, most of them were very unique and then would def- kind of define you know their the person the person's personality the family is tending to this and giving something continuing to honor that person for who they were and in a way keep them alive keep them a part of the family and this is all knowledge that I have from my own observation. There's not, I've done no study of this. I know I could probably find out more. And I didn't talk to anybody in Italy about it. Um, when I go back, I will ask about that. I think it's a, a very fascinating and important piece to, to understand the Italians. What is going on? I know like with... Um, in, in uh now i'm just gonna say this i think it's mexican culture uh the tending of a grave is uh you know it's that thing family goes in it's a whole big thing it's 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 more like it used to be in the 1800s in the united states you know people are going you're engaging and it really it's an interesting thing to think about <clears throat> the United States in the United States. We have this culture of youth that is so overwhelming and there is such a fear of, uh, growing old. There's a fear of decay. There's a fear of death. Um, you know, our food, we, uh, our animal food, we have removed from our presence. We, we have these um, slaughterhouses. Generally, where we're at now is we have these massive uh, farms, industrial farms that crowd the animals into these pens, and it's not natural. And they've got it then, you know, they're getting pumped full of antibiotics because they're getting sick and it's not natural. And then we've got these giant slaughterhouses that are totally inhumane and like it's just a massive uh killing zone and the key here is that we as a people we don't want to know about any of this we don't want to know about animals being slaughtered we don't want to know about animal bodies being rendered and packaged we want to go to the grocery store we want to see the meat right the meat it's not animal anymore it's not muscle it's meat it's it's this thing so we get really you know we're, we've got this we've got this separation we've got this distance 
from from decay from death we don't like stinky things we don't we don't like disorder we want to keep everything controlled and contained and and uh and the way that we treat our elders is really obvious that this is a symptom of this fear of death we treat our we treat our elders like garbage um having old folks homes where you just dump old people and there's not enough funding and there's not enough care and you know there's all there's there's bad situations that go on and elders are not revered they're not as held in esteem typically in our culture and it's just the fear of death and and cemeteries are places that we do not want to go <laughs> you know it's just a reminder that we're going to die it's a reminder of decay it's a reminder that we are not going to live forever that we are not going to be young forever we do not want to accept that and we do not want to have any part of it what I see with the Italians is kind of the opposite. Uh, it's a, a true embrace, not of death, but of the life of the person that you lost. And that's a beautiful thing. I really got that uh, just from walking through that cemetery. You know, it's like this is this is a celebration of the person. We are keeping them alive in our hearts. We are keeping them alive through this action of tending the grave, making sure that the flowers are fresh or, you know, there were some graves that had all kinds of beautiful plants planted and, you know, there were some kids' graves that had all kinds of toys and different things and it was just very well kept. And th these are people that have been dead for a while. It is extremely impressive. So being engaged, I, I think that was a big, a big lesson I learned. Um, all just from walking through a cemetery. <laughs> Who knew? Um, so onward. Uh, so another observation uh, I had. This is something that I I find so fascinating. Being an American, you go go to Europe. Um, and the first moment this really hit me was when I was in uh, Versailles a few years ago. You go into Versailles, and it's so. And so, any of these places, going into palaces, you go to Versailles. You know, as in Florence, going to the Uffizi uh, Gallery, uh, the old Medici offices. You go into the Palazzo Vecchio, which is the old uh, Medici pa palace. You know, and home and whatnot. But particularly going into Versailles, this was the first moment this really hit me. Hey, we gotta go to Versailles. Gotta see this thing. I just wanna see it. We gotta go in. If you're in Paris, you gotta do it. We're gonna go. So we go. You go in it and you're walking around and you're reading some stuff. It's like, oh, I'm in the Hall of Mirrors now. Oh, I'm in the, yeah, it's the king's bedroom. It's the queen's bedroom. Oh, there's the bed. And then you're walking through. In a moment, I had a moment where I'm like, wait a second. I'm in Versailles. But, uh, and I'm in here with a mass of tourists, just people from all over the world, and we're just walking through, and people are taking their pictures, and they're doing all this stuff, and you just crowd it in, and you're, you're seeing it. But it hit me all of a sudden, like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm in Versailles. This is a palace. This is where the seat of government was for the kings of, and queens of France. 
this was an exclusive space for royalty. And I was just kind of dumbstruck to realize I am in this space. They are rolling over in their graves to know that these commoners are traipsing through their palace and treating it like it's um yeah like it's a museum or like it's uh like it's some tourist trap or something you know like it's just some thing to get yourself in and it really hit me it's like oh man king like oh, the kings are just they must be so unsettled by this their souls are quivering with rage to know that the commoner triumphed and we're just walking around their space doing whatever we want and gawking when we were in the Uffizi I had that moment the same moment I was like oh, you know you, some of the rooms have been left the same the office spaces and I'm like and I was saying this like oh man I bet the the Medici are just turning over in their graves right now to know that uh the, the commoners are running around in their building, you know, the, the, the triumph of the common people. Here we are. Ha. And I was, you know, feeling a little full of myself. Um, and you got all along the hallways, these uh, portraits, hundreds of portraits of all of the clients of the Medici. And they're all looking down at you and, you know, you're like, ha ha, we triumphed. We're here. Especially as an American, you know, you get this whole, like, power to the people, man. Down with the kings. Down with the dictators. We're done with this thing. We triumphed. Um, and then uh, in Palazzo Vecchio, same thing. You're going in there in Cosm Cosmo's bedroom and you all these, all these places that you shouldn't be. But you are because now it's a museum. Now it's a place for tourists. Such a strange thing, right? The turn, ah, the turn of the screw. But the one thing I was thinking about, as I learned a little bit more about the Uffizi, the Medici were putting art into that building right off the bat. There were gallery spaces in that building right from the get-go. And um, it made me think that actually as far as Versailles is concerned I'm sure King Louis uh, is just spinning in his grave that's not the way things are supposed to be commoners everywhere but the Medici I was thinking you know actually I bet that they're really uh, if they had awareness of the future if they knew what was happening they'd actually be pretty darn proud because they have lived through the centuries and the art that they funded and the art that they put into their building is still being seen. They have outlived their time in an outsized fashion and uh, I'm sure they, they would actually be really proud because they, it's just more honor to the clan that uh, they did what they did. And it truly is, through the centuries, 
you know, we'll live forever and our contributions will live forever. Well, that's it's happening. It's impressive. And I am grateful because all of that art exists. And the only reason that art exists is because those bankers decided that they were going to spend their money on art and support the arts. And they did it. And we are still beneficiaries of that largesse. Pretty incredible stuff. But I still think that in the Palazzo Vecchio that uh, Cosimo and Eleonora are probably a little unhappy with people traipsing through their private spaces. Um, The triumph of the commoner, my friends. We did it. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, It seems like it's been a good thing so far. Uh, Things are teetering a little bit right now. We've got our little populist thing going on across the globe, and everybody's getting all agitated and wanting uh, wanting some authoritarians. You know, we want people to just tell us, just make it happen. Just tell us what to do. Uh, that that's a dark road, my friends. We don't really want to go down that path. Triumph of the commoners. We we are here. We are. Uh, a democracy because that is what our ancestors wanted because they experienced despotism and a complete lack of rights and human dignity and we are working on uh, you know a lot of that has been achieved and we're continuing to work on that there are those of us who are continuing to work on that we want that for everybody so let's keep working toward that down with the royalty, down with the dictators. So you can experience your own personal sense of empowerment by traipsing through uh, what are now museums, but what were originally royal palaces. It feels good. So uh, I've got another observation here that I is loose. None of these are necessarily associated or attached to one another. This episode is very loosey-goosey. I just had a few things I wanted to lay out and lay down before I forget and uh, before I take the time to really crack out an episode that I got to work on. <clears throat> Not that I'm lazy. But I just got to get it out. Got to get it done. Let's do it. Another uh, interesting thing. So tourists, tourism. Here we are. The loose theme has been tourists on parade. Commoners on parade. Here we are. The tourists on parade. We were in Florence. And in the uh, square surrounding Santa Maria del Fiore, the Duomo, the gigantic Florence Cathedral, there are a lot of people, yeah, uh, tons of tourists, and then there are a whole bunch of people who are all dressed the same in their button, little button-down shirts and their pants, and they got uh, little badges that say "Tourist Force," and they're engaging people and saying, "Hey, you know, you know want to climb the dome today? Do you want to get tickets for the dome? Do you want to, you know, get tickets to this? You want to do that? Hey, 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 we can hook you up." And if you know half a lick about what's going down and what you need to actually do in order to get tickets to go do the things you want to do, you will know that these are scam artists. These people are going to take your money. 
Now, I don't know if they're, it's a full scam and you're going to get nothing for your money, but what you're going to get is going to cost way more than it would cost through the normal channels, and they are not official. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm aware of this. We were in line for about an hour on our last day to go inside uh, Santa Maria del Fiore which gave us an opportunity to do a lot of observation. And one of the things that uh, I observed was there was a, a an English gentleman who was in his 60s or early 70s, and he's with uh, his family, and he saw the line, and he was just miffed by that. To see that line, it's like, what? We're not going to stand in this line to go inside. There's a, there's a better way. And uh, they kind of walked off. All right. Like, oh, geez. I don't know what he's going to do. You know, there's one line and you got to get in this line to get in it. And it happens to be an hour long. If you really want to do it, you got to get all the way to the back of the line and wait. So he disappears and then uh, he comes back and I, I see him and, the, and he he just sees one of these these tourist force people and he goes right up to him and starts talking to him and they start pulling out papers and start talking the talk and all this stuff and he's like yeah 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 he's into it whatever they're selling as far as getting past this line he's into it so he takes off and then i see him come back again with uh, i'm assuming his son uh, you know but his son's probably in his 40s and uh, he's he's charging back up to this guy, the tourist force guy. And uh, his son says something about I, I. My interpretation was the son said, "No, we're not doing this." And he turned this guy turns around and throws his hand up and gives him a big smirk of like, "Whatever, come on." They go over there, and uh, the tourist force guy starts selling his spiel. You know, going to get you in, can do these things. So we were standing there observing all this and talking about what's going on. It's like, wow, this guy is, he's just jumping feet first into this guy's arms. He's giving himself over. Not even, not even thinking about it. And uh, my buddy said that uh, they've looked at this phenomenon of people who get involved with scam artists. And what they found is that most people who engage with scam artists have have already sold themselves on what the scammer is going to to give them. They're they're already there, and a scam artist just sort of reels them in, just brings them in to the place that they're already heading. Like, yep, you you this doesn't this guy was a prime example. This guy was impatient. He didn't want to wait in line and he thought he saw an angle to get around uh, that line and he went right toward the scam and was just ready to he just you know open his pocketbook up and just hand his money over not having a clue what was going to happen <clears throat> now what wound up happening was that they walked away this these two guys walked away from this dude and uh 
what we think happened was that the son finally was like no and convinced him to split and they walked away but it was a it was a near thing i mean we were watching and uh hey you know a fool is easily parted with their money um i i would have felt well i wasn't going to feel bad for that guy i mean honestly he was being a little belligerent about the situation and he just was willfully putting himself at risk so what are you going to do but i thought that was fascinating you know here they are all around i'm aware of them i don't even talk to them they're trying to engage with you and it's like well i i don't need to engage with you i know what this is about i know where this is heading so that you've got nothing to offer to me and it's all good and it made me wonder like how do they even make this work but there's plenty of people out there who don't know what they're getting into i'm research 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 people if you're gonna go traveling if you're gonna go do anything take a little time to educate yourself about where you're going there's plenty of information out there there's as far as scams go you're going to be able to find out very quickly through guidebooks or websites who is pulling scams what you shouldn't do and where you should go in order to get what you want to get done you know a little foresight a little planning a little legwork goes a long way and will give you a trip of a lifetime as opposed to a trip of disaster or disappointment or uh, anger so but I quite honestly, though, I had no idea. I, you know, I just thought it's like, oh, you're just uh, you just don't know enough and you get sucked into something because they look official. They make themselves look darn official. But to see somebody just belligerently barreling toward the scam the way that man did was really something. I was like, oh, that, there's a whole nother level to this. <laughs> I had no idea. Anyway, interesting observation number three. I I just I had to say um, so interesting observation number four let me let me just throw this down uh, just for fun I w- we wound up in Rome right at the end I was only in Rome for an evening and I advocate going to Rome for more than that <laughs> I uh, I didn't for some reason I didn't really have any interest in Rome and um, didn't give myself much time and felt like, hey, you know, if we got time to see the Pantheon and maybe like take a walk down toward the Forum and um, the Coliseum and just to see it, that's cool. Well, it's a mind blower. If you are into uh, history at all, if you are into being awed by the ancients and uh, awed by architecture and you can make any kind of connection with uh, the the scale of time that's being uh displayed before your eyes you're gonna need a little time in rome and it's worth it there's some it's the real deal it's rome heart of the roman empire but if you want to do something fun and maybe life-threatening life-endangering but if you want to do something fun I, i i advise uh just hiring a taxi to get from one place to another we only took one taxi but i have to say it made me realize that uh if I go back to Rome, I think it might take a couple hours and just take taxis from place to place because the the ride is very interesting. 
I, I really enjoyed the experience. Uh, it, it, and to be quite honest, it really was like a ride. I felt like I was on like a, um, like a roller coaster or something, not as scary, but just as fun. It's like, oh, this is great. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, there are no lines in the roads. They don't pay any attention to them anyway. And everybody's driving at once. And uh, traffic circles are, are awesome. They're great. I love traffic circles in Italy and in Rome. They just barrel into them and everyone seems to know exactly what's happening and it all works. It's a feature of travel. Uh, I saw, you know, I experienced this in, in Bangkok uh, and, and just being on the road in my tales of Cambodia. You know, I mean, you just the way things operate in traffic is great. In the United States, everything is very organized and everything is very straight and narrow. You stay in the lanes and you follow the directions on the signs and you you go when it's green and you stop when it's red and you and you don't crowd in and you just you stay in your lanes period well a lot of the rest of the world doesn't pay any attention to that and they got their own rules and um italy and rome they know what those rules are i mean i was able to sit and observe that there's there are rules going on they're operating under certain expectations and I think the main expectation was is that the first person who gets to a space gets the gets the position. You know, you roll into you're rolling into a traffic circle and you're the first one there. Everybody else is going to slow down and fall in in order behind you in the order in which they all get there. And it all works. And um I saw in Bangkok, uh, Bangkok's interesting because they have all the lines laid out in the streets and they have the signs and they have the stoplights and all of it, but they don't pay attention to any of that other than a stoplight. Um, you know, there the lanes are all fluid. Everything's flowing around each other. There's motorcycles and there's uh, mopeds and bicycles all in the mix. And when a mass of traffic comes to a stop at a stoplight, all the motorcycles and all the bikes and everything go straight up to the front in a giant mass. And when the light turns, they all take off and then the cars stream in behind them. And then as time goes on, all the weaving and dodging and everything, they, they weave themselves back into this big mass and it just it just flows it just seems to flow i saw the same crazy scene in cambodia and and uh in phnom penh uh coming to a, a four-way intersection that nobody was paying attention to any of the signs or any of the lights at all everyone from all four directions entered the intersection simultaneously and what happened was right at the intersection, everybody slowed way down and got real slow. Nobody stopped. Everybody kept moving. Everybody had forward momentum. And that intersection was this big weaving that went on. And everybody weaved through and got to the other side and then took off. And I was sitting there half frightened because it just didn't make any sense 
and then just observe that I was like wow everything seems to make sense to them and it all works out and in Rome it was a whole lot faster and it all was uh, it all worked and I would advise for a fun afternoon just hire taxis and and go from point to point and check the city out from that vantage point check the city out from the experience of, you know, each driver's going to be different. I was lucky I had one driver and I apparently from what my friend said, it was he was a good one. Good mellow driver. They were in some other taxis that was a little more crazy and a little more uncertain. Um but that's part of the fun. Hey, you know, you buy a ticket and you ride the ride. That's like just specifically buy a ticket and actually ride a ride. It's pretty cool. So I will uh I will leave you with that. Taxis are fun. Roman taxis are fun. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Night on Earth, which goes way back, uh, I think that's goes way back. It might be 1993. Jim Jarmusch movie. Great movie. Uh, it is about a single night on Earth. Every uh, they're all. Uh, um, it's a movie of vignettes. Each vignette is a little mini story that takes place inside a taxi cab. And it, it happens uh, all over the world. And one of them happens to be in Rome in the middle of the night. And uh, uh, Bernardo Benigni, the comedian, is, uh, is the cab driver. It, it's a real thing. <laughs> I thought that was just kind of a joke. But uh, that's that's a real thing. Uh, maybe a, a little extra juice thrown on it for the performance, but that's pretty much it, man. Check out Night on Earth and watch the that that vignette. Watch the whole thing. It's a great movie. But that vignette is hilarious, and it's like if you want to know what a Roman taxi is like, that's actually it. Good fun. Take the ride. Buy the ticket. So. That is that is it. This is this podcast. I, uh, I I kept it loose. I kept the goose loose and uh, just had a few little things that I wanted to put out there to uh, to exemplify tourists on parade part two. I'm going to get back into this a little deeper. Uh, I've got some talk about the Renaissance that I think is absolutely interesting and I've been learning some stuff, and I'm going to, as I said, organize it and orchestrate it and get it together and get it out there and put it in your ear holes if you are so interested. And uh, and get a, little, get a little deeper into my experience in the Uffizi because I saw a lot of art and I had my mind blown 10,000 times over to the point that my mind melted down and I couldn't take it in, take in anymore but I kept taking it in. Um, but we'll go through it and uh, throw out some some books that I've been reading uh, as uh, source material. And if anybody's interested, you can find those books at your local library or buy them, uh, you know, at your local bookstore. Don't buy them at Amazon. Go to your local bookstore and buy them. Much, much better for your local economy and for your sanity and for your sense of community. Okay, people, make sure to be kind to others. <laughs> I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you what to do. Be kind. Stop 
being not kind. Pet small animals and feed birds and and uh, get a kitty and make sure that you're treating your parents with respect if they deserve it. That's the key, isn't it? All right, treat yourselves good, be good, have a good time, and, um, you know, I'm going to just say it. Go buy a plane ticket and go travel across the world. I'm putting my foot down on myself. I'm done with it. No more doubts. Whatever happens in the end happens. Go for it. Get out there. Be a good steward of your planet and be a great ambassador for your culture. Dig yourselves. Dig yourselves.